This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Hello and welcome to the University of California, San Diego School of Global Strategy and Policy. Uh, we are here to uh, have our Japan webinar today with the title, How to Sustain Entrepreneurship and Innovation after COVID-19. Uh, we are uh, very happy to have two guests today and I will introduce them momentarily. Let me just give you a little bit more information of where you are and why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, GPS was founded uh, 30 years ago at the height of uh, the Japan-US trade war and has since uh, pursued uh, active research and exchange with Japan here in San Diego. A few years back, we then founded JFIT, the Japan Forum for Innovation and Technology, to help us uh, build further ties uh, between Southern California and Japan. And uh, we, are, uh, we have reframed the uh, current situation as an opportunity for us to increase the exchange between San Diego and California in general and Japan on interesting topics of the day. We do this every week, so uh, mark your calendars. Every Tuesday, 4.30 going forward, we will um, continue our webinar series uh, as long as there is interest. And I see there is plenty of interest today, so without further ado, let me introduce my two guests today. Um, Taka and Yuichiro, you want to come online maybe and join me here? Uh, our first guest is um, Yuichiro Yoshinari, who is uh, Assistant Vice President at Mitsubishi Corporation. And he also is a pivotal figure in the Silicon Valley branch of Mitsubishi Corporation's innovation activities, uh, MLab. And he will tell us all about uh, MLab momentarily. Uh, Yuichiro has been in Silicon Valley for almost four years now, and he, uh, in addition to running various uh, activities of innovation and so forth, he also has a weekly innovation newsletter called WinYY. Uh, let me just say a little bit before we uh, um, uh, continue to the next guest, let me just say a little bit about Mitsubishi Corp, which is a trading company. And you might ask, what is a trading company? It is a unique Japanese sort of setup. About a half a century ago, these companies started literally as uh, being the trading arm of, uh, for foreign business of Japanese manufacturing firms. But lately they have morphed uh, into what some people think are fundamentally private equity funds. And none is more innovative than Mitsubishi Corp, which has um, not only now uh, invested in mines in uh, Australia and LNG gas shipping and, and, and extraction in other places. Uh, it owns Lawson uh, convenience store chain, and it has a substantial innovation uh, activity set up in California not all of which is open, some of it is stealth through some investment funds, but there's also this corporate venture capital arm that Yuichiro Yoshinari will tell us all about. Um, so he will cover the large company aspect of how to survive and sustain innovation 
uh, after this crisis or with this crisis. And, um, and then we have a second speaker in Taka Kiyoizumi, who uh, many of you know as the executive manager of JFIT. Um, in his spare time, Dr. Kiyoizumi is also an angel investor. Uh, he had, holds a, a medical degree from Keio Medical School. Uh, he's, a, he's a doctor. Uh, and uh, after practicing medicine for a while, he decided that it would be a good idea to get to earn his MBA from uh, Sloan, MIT. And he then moved to California, where he started his own company, which he did very well. He sold it for a little bit more than it cost him to build it. And he is now using the returns to help bio startups in San Diego grow and thrive. Uh, thank you, Taka, for joining us as a speaker today. So with that, let me uh, ask uh, Yuichiro to begin uh, our conversation today. Uh, Yuichiro has brought some slides, and so um, uh, let, me, uh, let me hand the mic over to, to you, and uh, let's hear about MLab. Okay, uh, let me share my slide first. Can you see my slide? Okay. Okay, uh, let's get started. Uh, thank you very much for uh, having me uh, with this session. Uh, I'm Yuichiro Yoshinari of uh, Silicon Valley branch of uh, Mitsubishi uh, Corporation Americas, uh, which is a uh, US uh, subsidiary of Mitsubishi Corporation Tokyo. Um, I'm leading innovation activities, especially in uh, very old industry like uh, uh, mining or metals and uh, industrial materials. And uh, also that I'm uh, uh, teaching design thinking as an internal coach uh, in uh, Mitsubishi Corporation that I will uh, touch on a little bit later. Today, uh, I'm going to share our story about innovation in the Silicon Valley. Uh, and, uh, uh, and also the, what's happening in the Silicon Valley under COVID-19 situation as a current snapshot. The, this is uh, my favorite uh, area photo to explain uh, San Francisco Bay Area. The, we are in Palo Alto, the, which is uh, 30 miles, uh, uh, which is a call to the 50 kilometers south from the San Francisco downtown. Silicon uh, Valley's history started from Palo Alto and the Mountain View the, because the first Silicon Valley company, oh, sorry, uh, their first Silicon Valley company, the Hewlett Packard, founded in Palo Alto in 1939. And the first uh, semiconductor company, Shockley Semiconductor Laboratory, founded in the Mountain View in 1956. Uh, just for your reference, uh, Google's headquarters is in Mountain View. Uh, Facebook is just next to Palo Alto. The Apple headquarters is Cupertino. Intel is also in Santa Clara. So they're here is the epicenter uh, of innovation, obviously. So the, in this slide, I'd like to share uh, with you about the mystery of large enterprises. The large enterprises has uh, have uh, plenty of resources. Uh, Square plus uh, strategy, uh, which may be built by the MBA holders, uh, huge capitals, uh, the rich cash, and uh, excellent people. 
However, in many cases, the, the, they will become non-innovative and non-adaptive uh, to changes in the market. And then finally, that they will end their lives. Why? Uh, this is absolutely uh, a mystery uh, for the business, actually. Uh, to solve this mystery, that uh, we believe we need innovation as an organization, especially in a large companies. Innovation is required for not only startups or GAFA, that, that's our strong recognition. The, based upon the such recognition, the, we have established uh, Open Innovation Hub called MLAB uh, three years uh, three and a half years ago uh, in our Silicon Valley branch. MLAB uh, was designed as a business platform for Japanese large companies to promote uh, uh, cooperation across cross-industry barriers by different industries. Now uh, we have uh, 12 membership companies, including us, that you can see logo on uh, left bottom. Uh, the, the seven of 12 are the Mitsubishi Group companies, but uh, four of 12 are non-Mitsubishi uh, Group company like uh, Japan Post, Fujifilm, Asahi Kasei, and Intec, uh, which is an IT uh, provider. MROV aims to create a business seize uh, with flexibility and speed, accelerating to become an insider of Silicon Valley by tangible and intangible contribution to ecosystem. Here is a detail of MROV. We have over 30 people in MROV that we are working with all MRAB member companies at the same office. We have experts from all 10 verticals of Mitsubishi Corporation, and we have two hub offices in the Silicon Valley and Boston. And we are operating as one team together with our Boston, Houston, Vancouver, and Los Angeles offices. MRO is also providing uh, innovation training uh, based upon the design thinking uh, uh, to not only MRO expert people, but also people from Tokyo. As you can see that we had a management level networking and uh, learning event uh, in the last November that called MRO Tokyo Summit as well. Also, uh, we are also networking with other Mitsubishi Corporation Global Innovation Offices like uh, Tel Aviv in Israel and Shenzhen in China mainland. In terms of uh, you know, investment, uh, we invested over uh, 70, uh, US, uh, 70 million US dollar uh, to venture capitals and startups by MRAB companies until now. Just for your reference, the average of a CVC investment is reported as roughly 50 uh, million US dollar. So now we are exceeding this threshold. Here is examples uh, we tried as a proof of concept uh, trials 
uh, together with the startups. The first three AI, the that we tried AI technology uh, to predict uh, our business flows. And uh, in the middle, that you can see IoT and edge computing, that we utilize the, this technology to visualize a factory operation and unlock the unused capacity of the factory. The last three, the, the, uh, the, the we tested uh, blockchain technology to confirm uh, that there uh, it's a huge potential uh, by applying the real business operations. That, that, that's a very interesting uh, uh, experience for us. Now, uh, that I would like to explain what's happening in the Silicon Valley. Uh, this slide explains what's currently happening in uh, the financial perspective. As you can see on the left chart, deal volumes recorded high numbers in March and April, but uh, there is an interesting uh, qualitative difference between the March and April. As you can see on the middle chart, the raised amount is significantly dropped in April. This phenomenon can be explained as a trend of a rise of a down round on the right chart. Just to audience who is not so familiar with the startup investment, down round means a financing round to downgrade its variation from the last round. So it's, it's not a good thing for the startups actually. As a conclusion, the startups in the Silicon Valley looked rushing to secure and maximize cash in March and April to survive under this uncertain period. This is uh, my last chart, um, last slide. The, uh, the, what's the implication to the Japanese companies? As you know, the, the Japanese companies are very famous with the cash rich, as you can see in the, uh, the, uh, the news on the uh, left-hand side. Of course, there is a controversial discussion whether it is good or bad as a public company, but obviously it would be uh, an advantage to Japanese companies in case you look for investment opportunities under COVID-19 economy. One of the likely scenarios under COVID-19 economy is that the companies will consider about their supply chain uh, uh, to adapt under the new normal. They may promote vertical integration of a supply chain. If your company is thinking of a vertical integration and uh, there is a good company in a supply chain and uh, you may want to reinforce uh, financial stabilities, you might find a potential opportunity for minority investment of such companies. However, for a minority investment case, it is always a challenge to realize synergies with invested company financially and strategically. To solve this dilemma, the digital transformation and innovation must be key to realize synergies. As a conclusion, 
the new normal must be the opportunity for Japanese companies, but the Japanese companies' seriousness to digital transformation and innovation will be demanded. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much, Yoshinari-san. That was uh, outstanding, very interesting. And uh, well, uh, I'm sure I have lots of questions. Before I turn the microphone over to Kiyoizumi-san, let me just say that if you have a question, please type it into the Q&A button, and I will then uh, moderate the, the Q&A session. And with that, um, Sensei, uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with uh, angel investments in San Diego right now. and. Uh, uh, again, just like Yoshinari-san, give us the, the factual situation so that we can then have a conversation about how that's different from Japan and what the implications are. Well, thank you, Shede-sensei, for a kind introduction. Um, as I uh, have been an angel investor uh, in San Diego uh, since 2006, uh, the things you know has been evolved, of course, the much faster innovation and uh, much faster, much more interest in uh, startup companies in general. So uh, I'm a member of Tech Coast Angels here in San Diego. Uh, that is a Southern California-based angel investors. When I joined Tech Coast Angels, I think we had about short, uh, short of 100 members locally. But now, uh, as of last year, we have over 200 members. So that's a lot of interest and a lot of, uh, fortunately, a lot of money interested to be in, invested in uh, startup companies. But however, this COVID-19 situation kind of stopped everything, right? Everybody stopped and uh, think about what's, what's going to happen. There could be lots of uncertainties. And uh, so let me start sharing my slide. Uh, what uh, the startup companies are doing, of course, uh, it's, it's a survival. It's a survival game. You know, startup is high risk to start with, and, uh, but the, you, you need to survive under this uh, extreme situation also. And usually when startup companies uh, raise funding, uh, we try to maintain, you know, 12 to 18 months operational fund. And uh, however, with this uncertainty, what we don't know what's happening in 12 months or 18 months. Is there another opportunity to do fundraising? You know, the market will open, more money coming into the innovation or startup companies. So immediately, you know, startup companies has to do cost cutting, and the fundraising, if, uh, if it ever possible, as, as Yoshinari-san said, down round, you know, basically lower value, but if you can raise money, you can survive. So that, that's why uh, some of the startups are taking down round, uh, you know, fun, uh, events. So they need to do cost cutting and fundraising at the same time. And, uh, the most important thing we, we feel uh, is the management leadership. You know, act, act quickly, act fast, but the maintain the momentum and the mo work morale of the company. Startup, you know, companies have maybe five people, 10 people. You know, each, 
each member of the company is really critical to do to the to the job. Uh, so the leadership is very uh, important, and uh, fortunately, many experienced leaders went through you know 2001, 2008, you know, extreme downturns. So being there, done that kind of experience will uh, be very, very significantly useful. And uh, we, we know the COVID-19 will eventually go away or, you know, effective vaccine will be developed. But uh, until that time, we, we need to keep going. And um, uh, as you many, many of you know, <clears throat> the CARES Act, you know, Coronavirus Aid, Relief and uh, uh, Economic Security Act became a law on March 27th, uh, 2020. So under that law, uh, there are a lot of provisions. And one of the most applicable or important uh, pro program for startup is a Paycheck Protection Program or PPP. And that is a, a 350 billion SBA administered loan and uh, at certain conditions, the loan will, uh, will be forgiven. So loan forgiveness is also uh, added benefit. And in order to do that, of course, we need to maintain the employment. Uh, salary cut is okay, but, but uh, no layoffs or uh, minimum layoffs. And the PPP can be applied from you know, February 15th. That's actually the started early but uh, you know, CARES Act became officially law at, on uh, March 27th. So after pretty much April, they started the dis, uh, distributing the loan. And uh, the startups still can apply for the loan uh, through June 30th. And the generally loans are about 1% interest rate. Uh, the law says less than 4%, but the, the loan, uh, the startups getting are 1% interest rate, two-year terms, and maximum of $10 million, but uh, you know, startups won't get the $10 million. So this uh, program is uh, available, and, uh, and, the, and the interestingly, it's, it's pretty fast. Uh, one of the uh, portfolio companies, uh, company where I, um, I invested, received uh, this uh, loan within, uh, within uh, four weeks. So that's quite fast. And uh, tech cost angels, in addition to, of course, those uh, information uh, sharing, uh, has, has a campaign called so-called Hope. Hold on, pain ends. Hold on, pain ends, so hope. And uh, tech cost angels as a background, uh, as I mentioned, the San Diego chapter has over 200 people. But the, the Tecos Angels as a whole are almost 500 people in the five chapters in Southern California. Collectively, we uh, invested 19, little over $19 million in 52 companies last year. So we have a lot of, lot of companies, invested companies. So we immediately strengthened the network of entrepreneurs and the startup companies to assist you know, how best you know, they can maintain operational funds, uh, cost cutting, and also <clears throat> potential fundraising. And reached out to the portfolio companies and we, 
we collected all the the long and the grant information in a centralized uh, database, and they have free access uh, to those. And we, uh, Tech Coast Angels, have um, uh, supporters uh, such as Kunobi Martins and uh, CPA firms, so they can provide professional advice to startup companies as well. And uh, uh, another angel group I, I, I'm a member of uh, started having a portfolio reviews, inviting all the startups and uh, get us uh, the, the update and the real time and the reminding uh, there they have opportunity to participate in those companies as well. Again, it's many of them are down round or it's a convertible note with very uh, preferable terms or uh, even with warrants. Uh, but uh, we, uh, we believe the key is to be bold. So if you are uh, you know, stuck with a you know, situation, be bold and ask, ask for assistance and humble and nimble. So leadership, even these conditions are the key. So uh, that's how we see uh, what's going on in uh, angel community and uh, startup company in general. Uh, but in, you know the deals are done. So um, unlike unlike operational companies, you know having a P P and L, you know profit and loss companies, they are immediately affected by numbers. But the startup companies are usually losing money to begin with. So as long as they can build a balance sheet, they are okay, and uh, investors are okay with that. Uh, we we are patient, and we are. Uh, kind of betting in the future and the technology and the, and the output. So that's, let me stop there. Uh, and back to Shede uh, Sensei. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. And I hope that uh, viewers can see the three of us now because I would like to start a little bit of a conversation. And uh, Taka, because we just heard from you last, let me just ask you the first question that is burning. Uh, on my mind, and that is, how does that differ from what's going on in Japan? So you you also work with a lot of biotech startups uh, in in Japan, and um, are they in a similar situation where they can go to their bank and 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 get a program, or are they in a more precarious uh, situation there? Well, uh, banks, commercial banks in in general. Uh, will not uh, give a loan to startup companies because they too much too much risk and no collaterals. So they are more startups in general in Japan are more uh, relying on government grant, uh, which which can be a quite quite a significant amount of you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, and uh, the cycle seems to be pretty good because uh, you know fiscal year starts April. And uh, uh, they uh, passed the budget, and I think the beginning of May, so they can appropriate the, those already carved out funding to the AMED or JST type of a government uh, agency so that they can uh, distribute the grants. So it's okay, and if they're desperate, still smaller uh, early stage uh, venture capitalists, uh, still closing deals. I think it's a down round, but they are still closing 
the deal. So they are okay. You know, they they are okay right now. So uh, and uh, Yuichiro, uh, let's talk a little bit about larger companies in general before I turn back to what MLab is doing. So what is your sense about large Japanese companies? Are they you know, R&D is the first thing that, you know, it's a, it's a relatively easy thing to cut uh, right away, right? And so it's often the first thing that gets cut. Is that your sense that, of what's going on? I mean, are the large Japanese companies scratching their heads and kind of scrambling to, uh, to reduce their innovation activities? Or is it more of a wait and see situation right now? Yeah, the, that's a very good question. The, I think uh, it's a still uh that many japanese large companies are observing uh what's happening right now and uh yeah maybe that we need to wait a couple of weeks or months or something to see that what's the financial impact uh to the the headquarter however the the one of the lucky thing for the japanese company is uh, we just started the fiscal year so that, that's a huge change uh, the, the difference uh, from the U.S. company, I think, the the you know the uh, if you would like to dispatch a expat to uh, Silicon Valley, the, you know that you need to send the people before March, and uh, the Japanese company was uh, the, uh, has just finished the preparation for the uh, Japanese fiscal year, and they secured. The, the budget also. So then maybe the, the latter half of a fiscal year, the, maybe some uh, decision will be done. But uh, at this moment, I'm talking with uh, many Japanese companies here, yeah, that at this moment, there is no change for the, the first half. Uh, so that, I think that that's the one of advantage uh, for the Japanese company, I think. Well, that's great to know. And, and my understanding is it's about something like 75% of Japanese companies start their fiscal year on April 1, right? And so uh, the others may be a little bit more concerned, but but for those that have just started, there's no reason to change the budget right away, I guess. So so the question that's burning on my mind, Yuchiro, uh, which is also a personal research interest of mine, is the topic that you started talking about, about the innovate, new types of innovation in large Japanese companies to ensure their longevity and that they stay at the top of their game. And there's now also new aspects of labor mobility and, and so forth. How, how do Japanese companies, and in particular your MLAP, how do you think about training people, changing them into a new mindset? of what it takes to win. Can you talk a little bit more about some of your activities at MLab and how you're trying to change your, your folks, so to say, say, to be a more global, open, outcome-oriented, innovative person? Thank you, thank you uh, for your question. The, uh, can I share my slide again? Please do, yes, absolutely. Okay. Thank you. So, can you see? Yes. Yep. Okay. Very so the, the fundamental question about uh, innovation in a large corporation is uh, the which is um, more important between the innovator or innovation. So the, this is a very uh, typical question 
which was asked in uh, my company uh, because uh, you know there to bring up uh, and foster innovator is it takes a little bit time because it's a HR training or uh, we need to uh, bring up their the employee uh, for innovator but uh, the final conclusion or the conclusion at this moment is uh, we should not avoid that this effort uh, to foster innovators rather than just focusing on innovation by investing in the startups or something. So there, the, 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 we positioned the training of the people to the center of uh, MRAV uh, trials innovate, uh, initiative. And uh, the, we would like to say, we would like to emphasize that uh, there is no shortcut for innovation. That human resource development is quite important thing. So there, uh, maybe go to uh, next page. The, the we recognize that the design thinking is a kind of uh, operating system in a Silicon Valley. So there, that this is a kind of uh, the heart of uh, Silicon Valley innovation. So the, I went to the Stanford D school uh, in uh, 2011. Uh, sorry, 2017, and uh, the, after that, the, the I'm providing the in-house training as a design thinking uh, evangelist uh, since then. The, I already had over 30 classes. Uh, the, the accumulated number is uh, exceeding the 1,000 participants. And uh, the, this uh, activity has been drawn uh, from uh, uh, drawn from the senior management uh, with attention. So the, the, from the last year, the design thinking the, the has become an official class at the newly established uh, innovation training program by the uh, Mitsubishi Corporation Global HR Department. The last year that we invite five classes uh, to the uh, Silicon Valley to give uh, the innovation training for a week uh, under the collaboration with Stanford. So th th that's the, what we are uh, doing, how we can change a corporate culture. And uh, the, this is not just only the, uh, the HR development, the we are uh, aggressively trying to apply design thinking to change a business itself. And uh, as you can see, the, this is our uh, self design thinking camp in New York. And uh, the, uh, we uh, uh, applied the design thinking to reinvent or change our uh, very conventional business. And uh, finally, did, uh, we uh, succeeded to use a test. Uh, it took uh, uh, the, uh, almost a year, but now that we commercialize this service uh, from this April. So, the, to change the culture, the, to change the business, the, our belief is the, how we can change the people's mindset and the corporate culture. That's the, what we are doing. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and my understanding is that you're not the, you, you're possibly the leading, but, but certainly not the only Japanese company that is doing that in Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. So, uh, it was, I, I did some interviews with another very large Japanese company that was saying that 
from the Japanese point of view, Silicon Valley owns the brand uh, for open innovation and change and different methods of thinking and so forth. And so there are lots of Japanese companies that used to fly people out. And you know, one employee at the time uh, introduced them to design thinking and workshops and so forth. I wonder how our current travel restrictions are going to interfere with your program there, though. That might be a little bit of a concern, I would assume. Yeah, so the, actually the, the, we are developing an online program uh, together with Disco. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, obviously their online program is not exactly the same uh, as a physical or training. However, the, the, we are trying to design the new experience uh, to uh, participants uh, using uh, some digital tool. Uh, obviously, the, the Zoom is one of that. And also that we are now that we have a very interesting uh, uh, sticky note tool uh, using the online. And so the, 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 the last week that we tested that program, um, the six consecutive days uh, for three hours uh, to teach design thinking. Uh, the, the team, com uh, the, some of uh, come from the US, but some of them come from uh, uh, Tokyo. Uh, and uh, it's a very, very interesting program, the, the trial, the actual prototype. So the, yeah, the, uh, the, at the end, the, we would like to have the people here, but uh, even under the restricted environment, the, we would like to seek the, the, our best uh, uh, to provide uh, such kind of training to the people. That's the, what we are doing right now. Thank you very much. That's very interesting. And we should keep in mind that, that that's what Yoshinari-san uh, is talking about so is, is, is special in some ways, but also representative of some of the Silicon Valley activities of Japanese companies. So Taka, you've been uh, on both sides for a long time. You know Japan, of course, obviously very well, and you're, you're an investor in, 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 in an entrepreneur, a uh, successful entrepreneur in the United States. From your perspective, at this point in time, what, is, what are the things that Japanese companies would have to change in particular to uh, sustain their, or, or push further out their innovative drive? And what do you see are the, the current challenges for Japanese companies uh, compared to challenges at US companies in terms of upholding innovation? Well, you know, the challenging times show lots of opportunities. That's what I, I saw in, in, you know, in my 30 years in the business. You know, if it's a stable time, less opportunities. But you know, the time it's rocking, then lots of opportunities. So in, in Japan, um, I see there's a lot of uh, innovation opportunities within, within Japan too, domestically too. Because we, we saw, you know, as living in this US, we saw a lot of problems of loan, online application of the certain, you know, government loans and, uh, and uh, uh, remote working uh, education. You know, that's, that's by itself, you know, so-called DX. Everybody says DX, right? Digital uh, innovation, digital transformation. That hasn't happened in Japan. As, as Shedes mentioned a few webinars ago, you know, Japan is a country of technology, 
but domestically, you know, not access to the technology or uh, use of technology is still quite behind, even, you know, compared with U.S. And if you compare with China, China is way ahead because probably systematically they can uh, you know, uh, apply all the technologies into daily use. So that by itself has a tons of opportunity in innovation. And, uh, you know, U.S. and other parts of the world has, you know, has gone through those challenges. And some of the technologies developed to overcome those challenges and, you know, immediately applicable. If Japan wants to take those opportunities, immediately applicable. So that's, that's a huge opportunity like Mitsubishi. You know, Mitsubishi knows all the technologies in the U.S. And uh, Mitsubishi knows all the, you know, lack of technology in Japan. So there's a great, great match. So, you know, lots of big companies, trading companies, technology companies in Japan can see a lot of opportunities moving forward. So, so the young entrepreneurs globally should, should reframe this pandem- pandemic as an opportunity. I think so. So, you know, on the other hand, those innovative companies will have more visibility you know, because of this pandemic. So we have a question, uh, the, the Q&A uh, box is open. So uh, audience, if you have a question, please uh, type it up. We have a question from Robbie about labor mobility and innovation. So uh, lifetime employment is beginning to change. Not so much uh, because people don't like it. It has a lot of advantages, but, but because there are some constraints there where where younger employees no longer want to be married to a company and slave away long hours and that sort of thing. And then companies say in return, well, if you want to switch jobs, we cannot invest in your education anymore. And so there's a lot of rumbling at the ground of what is going to happen to lifetime employment. And the data are clear, labor mobility is up, especially among younger people. And Mitsubishi Corp is uh, one of the uh, the places where where a lot of people uh, work for a couple of years and then move on to other places. How do you see um, both of you, actually, uh, uh, whoever wants to take this, is there, what is the connection between increase in labor mobility and innovation? I mean, it kind of undermines a little bit the old processes of the, the central R&D lab where everybody was a, was a, a local employee or you know, a long-term employee, but it also increases cross-fertilization, right? So it could go both ways. What's your impression around labor mobility in Japan right now? <laughs> you Yuichiro, you wanna go first since okay. I called out your company? Yes. Uh, yeah, that the obviously the especially in the younger generation that uh, they are not thinking the I will uh, marry with a company. <laughs> and uh, uh, the as the if you look at uh, some data, the maybe they're under thirty five uh, years old. The the uh, the turnover is increasing, and the, so the I think uh, it's a. Uh, you know the kind of uh, the uh, the gradual change in uh, uh, kind of uh, labor culture in Japan, and uh, so the obviously the uh, the change will uh, continue uh, for uh, for decades, I think. 
but uh, just about the innovation uh, right now is uh, it's uh, that such change will is a less uh, impact to the innovation uh, at the largest uh, company because uh, still the middle management is uh, uh, the uh, is uh, you know the, the long time uh, worker in a company. So in that sense, uh, open innovation approach is uh, more important for the large corporation, I think. So there, the, how we can uh, the lower the, the barrier uh, or wall of the company and how we can connect each other uh, to uh, find out uh, some uh, uh, overlap area or some uh, potential working area. Uh, for the innovation, so the, the in uh, in the near term, the three to five years, the, I think uh, uh, open innovation is uh, very uh, crucial uh, for the uh, Japanese large corporation. That's my thought. Doctor, do you have any thoughts on this question? Yes, uh, the human mobility is is the key for innovation. You know, across the globe, uh, basically. Uh, I, I have seen in the past 20, 30 years, yes, there are lots of Asian scientists, engineers come to the U.S. You know, initially they may work for larger companies, IBM or Qualcomm of the world, but they, you know, after five, 10 years, they started their own company here. So uh, in, in, even in for Japanese too, I keep, you know, encourage them to consider uh, coming to the U.S., you know, the technology is portable, right? And uh, the money is portable, you know, funding, portable. And uh, the, 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 the mo but the most important component of the, the, you know, startup is people. So people, you know, you try to get the best people possible. And the uh, inventor may be, you know, lots of smart inventors in Japan. But for the management, who creates the eventual success of the startup, you know, you should look for, you know, globally, who, where is the best place? And, uh, you know, Silicon Valley is one, San Diego is one, maybe Boston is one, depending on the technologies. And the people there too, you know, so I, I think, I think, you know, under the COVID-19, the traveling mobility is, you know, strictly limited, but, you know, everybody started using Zoom. So I think there's a way to start. Then when, you know, travel resumes, we, we can start, you know, actually people moving to the location and uh, interact to cross-pollinate more. So of course, uh, many governments around the globe have tried to stem this brain drain uh, of their young folks into California and build an innovation ecosystem, whether that's in Berlin, or in Tokyo, or in Fukuoka, or in you know, other places of the world. Um, and so maybe COVID-19 will keep the talent a little bit more local, but as you just said, the technology is not, is not local. The technology is global. So maybe we will also find some new ways of um, having innovation uh, sort of separate from maybe um, a, a location uh, clusters. And so that might open a new chapter. Hmm. So, uh, Taka, we have a question around uh, your initiatives with the Tech Coast Angels, which is about 
uh, a, sort of a surprise question because we've heard that it's actually very difficult to get government loans. Uh, we had a, a webinar uh, early on with Keishi Mizu from Japan who, was, who, point, who studies these sorts of small business loan situations. And she pointed out that um, whereas in California, in the United States, it's sometimes very difficult to go to the bank and get the loan and there was some chaos and, you know, there because the United States doesn't have a lot of relationship banking, that in Japan, this was actually much easier because Japan has relationship banking and if there's a government program, basically all you need to do is go to your local bank and you're good to go. Uh, so how did this work? Or how does this work in California? I mean, is, do we have a similar thing with relationship banking and, and sort of mechanisms that ease the, mm. the administrative hurdles? Um, you know, sm small and mid-sized companies, you know, of course, uh, in Japan, across the world, they need working capital. So they have to have a good relationship with local bank. Local bank is the basically the the war chest right you you need to get money return you know repay that's the cycle you know will support your business but for innovative companies innovation companies or startup companies it's not the banking relationship you know working capital is the capital you raised from uh, the round of uh, funding you know that series a or seed round that's the working capital in the bank but the still you know, the bank account, you know, checkings account, savings account, whatever, the corporate account has to be there in the local bank. So it's, it's super important to rem uh, keep the relationship with the local bank uh, because you, when you raise the money, you keep the money in the bank, right? You're, you know, if you raise $2 million, you're not spending all at once. You put in a bank, your local bank, they will process your paycheck, whatnot, you know, daily account, daily activities. So the, the one of the companies I invested applied the, those PPP loan uh, through his local bank, you know, the bank he uses. And uh, because of the relationship, you know, good relationship between local bank and the, you know, local startup companies, he was able to get the PPP loan processed and received within four or five weeks. That, that's really fast, you know, for, for U.S. standpoint. So still local bank relationship is important. It's not for the cash flow matters, but when something happens like this, you know, you have to have a good banking relationship uh, so that the, you know, can get the special SBA loan and other uh, you know, prefer preferential treatment to accelerate your business. I see. Uh, so, so it's actually possible or, or impossible in both countries. What I, you know, what, what I'm always a little bit worried about is whether these government activities actually change things, right? So we've seen in the past uh, that, that Japan has a lot of funds earmarked for innovation and startup activities, and then a crisis happened and the funds get hijacked and uh, invested into saving uh, old companies or existing companies or um, giving them to a more, a broader sort of finance program for all small firms, not necessarily technology or innovative firms. 
do we see a similar thing happening in Japan right now? I mean, there's a lot of money sloshing around. And um, do we see that this is going maybe into places that are not necessarily innovative? Or um, are you sort of satisfied that uh, there's actually enough sufficient funding around for, for innovative activities to persist? In other words, let me just ask this question in a short way. How will COVID-19 affect the, how, the trajectory of Japanese innovation going forward in terms of funding? Yuichiro, you want to take a stab at that? Yeah, the, obviously the, 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 this uh, COVID-19 uh, will change our business practice in any case. And uh, the, as uh, the Takasan mentioned that uh, this will be an opportunity not only for the large uh, company, but also startups uh, in US and in Japan, or, or, uh, of course. So there, I think uh, the, the, this uh, change uh, is, a, is a one way, not that uh, we will not return to the, uh, the previous world, I think. So there, the key point is uh, how we can bring back better. And the, so the, the innovation is a must uh, to change the world. And so that I believe the uh, innovation, uh, the importance of innovation, uh, will uh, uh, will be up, uh, and uh, that it's uh, we cannot go back to the, the, the same normal. I think. So there's a lot in the news, uh, especially if you read the English language news, but sometimes also the Nikkei about how Japanese companies are behind, they cannot be so innovative, we don't have GAFA in Japan. When, I, when I'm asked that, I usually say that's a good thing, you know, you should be so, you should feel yourself lucky. Uh, it's more broadly set up. But, but so, so uh, what is your sense on, on how many of the large Japanese, if, if we were to look at the JPX 400, say, so we, we just look at the largest Japanese companies, how many of them do you think are in good shape in terms of uh, structuring their innovative activity? Um, and, and how many of them are sort of behind and still sort of head in the sand and uh, sticking with their old practices? So uh, Yuichiro-san, you talked about MLab and, and you're bringing out the, um, the, first of all, you have, you know, have 12 companies in your accelerator slash incubator slash open innovation Hub, um, and 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 so so there are all these companies that are here, but there are a lot of Japanese companies that are not doing that. Mm -hmm. And are we seeing a bifurcation there of the sort of the companies that are, that are staying behind and the ones that are at the cutting edge? And how should we, uh, when we read in the in, when we read that Japanese companies cannot be innovative, how should we think about that? It's obviously not true, but but how can we get a better grip around that sort of reporting? Hmm. Yeah, so there are, in the Japanese culture, that there is obviously that there is a harmonized pressure. <laughs> so there may, maybe there are the all companies looking uh, at the competitors rather than customers. So there, I think uh, most important thing is that we should focus on more customers. The, the how we can empathize with the customer's mind, the how they think, rather than looking at the uh, the next door. So the I think the, it's a quite a back to basic uh, like uh, approach. But uh, the, the originally the Japanese company is very good at uh, focusing on our customer, 
And the, so there, I think uh, we should do, and we should recall the, what we did in the past. So we have a, a final question that I think is uh, really quite interesting. Um, uh, what do you think, uh, Taka, this may be in your bailiwick, but I, I'll let uh, Yoshinari-san uh, uh, chime in too. Uh, who is going, which country will uh, come up with a cure or a vaccination or uh, a, you know, whatever help uh, for COVID-19? Uh, I was on a I was on a uh, webinar the other day, and somebody was saying, "Well, is it China? Is it the United States?" Well, we don't know. And I was thinking, "Well, it could be Germany, it could be Switzerland, it could also be Japan." Uh, so, what do you think? Uh, which country is going to uh, come up with the with the first uh, hope of a cure or vaccination on on COVID nineteen? Taka, what do you think? Well, I, I need a crystal ball. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I think it's a good thing is uh, the global uh, collaboration is going on. Of course, there's a group group of companies, you know, try to do, you know, Pfizer is working with Oxford University, Sanofi and the GlaxoSmithKline and the GSK are making a good effort. And, uh, you know, startup companies, Moderna by itself, but at this moment doing it strongly. So, you know, I... I think everybody's, everybody wins when they are successful, any one of them. But the important thing is, you know, this is opportunity. Many companies are doing a you know, unique approach, approaches. And uh, offshoot of those approaches, there could be other disease cure, you know, beyond COVID-19. You know, right now the money is on to COVID-19. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden you can cure, you know, HIV or you can cure Ebola or something like that, those off, offshoot or side products, that's what I'm looking for. So I'm all for innovation and pushing all the companies be successful. Great. Well, on, on that happy note, let me thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Yoshinari-san. Thank you, Kiyoizumi-sensei. It was really uh, great to have a conversation with you. And thank you, audience. Next week, uh, we will have um, a conversation uh, that is actually between me and Professor Steph Haggard, and we will talk about uh, my new book, if I may plug myself, uh, The Business Reinvention of Japan, which will hit the bookshelves uh, pretty soon. And Steph Haggard, my longstanding colleague, will grill me uh, over the content of this book, and also we will uh, extend the message from that book um, and and what it means for uh, South Korea and uh, the Asian economies and trade in Asia in general. Uh, and uh, we will then zoom in uh, on June 9th on trade and Japan in, in particular. So I hope I'll see you all back uh, next week, uh, same time, same place. And uh, thank you for joining today. Thank You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.